Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From a top secret network of highly secure locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast, the podcast that everyone expects to tank, but somehow we're just too competitive to let that happen for some reason. My name is Mike Finger. I am your host as always, joined by Express News beat writers, Jeff McDonald and Tom Orsborne and sports editor Nick Talbot. We're going to talk about a team that, against all odds, against all expectations, is 5-2, and two, off to the best start in franchise history in a year when they were supposedly going to lose many, many games in pursuit of Victor Wembanyama. That might or might not still happen. But one of the, uh, the things that's going on that makes this season even more surreal, um, I think we're going to have to start off on a serious note to begin this podcast uh, on uh, the developing situation. seems like there are new developments every day. Uh, Tom Orsborne has done a lot of reporting on this. Since the last time we spoke, Tom, what uh, has happened with Josh Primo and where are we as of Tuesday morning? Yeah, the, the um, sudden, abrupt, shocking news uh, came down last Friday that uh, he had been waived. And the Spurs, of course, just put out a four-paragraph uh, release on that, not detailing, not offering any details for the reason. Uh, since then, it was confirmed to the Express News and other outlets that the reason Josh Primo was let go was there were multiple instances, multiple allegations of him exposing himself to women. And the latest uh, development occurred yesterday when Tony Busby, who defended um, several women in the Deshaun Watson case. Should say, I know I know that's a slip, but should say he represented, not defended. Yeah, represented. I'm sorry, Mike. Th- yeah, thank you for correcting me. Yeah, uh, he, he announced that he will have a press conference Thursday morning with uh, former Spurs consulting psychologist, Dr. Hillary Cawthon. Um, and I'll just read the, the quick statement that the Tony Busby law firm put out. It said, at the conference, Tony Busby will discuss allegations made by Dr. Cawthon and others against NBA player Josh Primo, the events that precipitated the release of Primo, the veracity of recent public statements made by both the Spurs organization and Primo, um, interactions with individuals within the Spurs organization, 
and the expected path forward, Dr. Cawthon will be present to make a public statement and answer pertinent questions. Um, you know, the Spurs haven't put out <laughs> any comments uh, other than the initial statement saying that they think that this decision was best for Primo and the organization and that, and that they wouldn't have further comment. We addressed some questions to Greg Popovich Sunday, and he said that it's the best interest of the organization to stick with the initial comment that was made in that release. Uh, Josh Primo had put out a release to ESPN Friday night, late Friday night, uh, stating that he is suffering uh, from uh, mental issues and, uh, and uh, that stem from previous trauma. So there's, that that certainly will be scrutinized, I would think, in this press conference. But the Spurs haven't put out a lot, and you wrote an excellent column on that issue uh, that was in today's Express News, Mike. The I appreciate that. I just follow the lead of your excellent reporting. Um, we have to be careful, uh, as the Spurs do, as um, everyone involved in the story has to be careful about what's said in public because there are allegations that have been made. Um, as of now, the, the, the important point in this is that it's hard to expect the Spurs to respond to allegations that have not been made public. Again, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Um, there's been some good reporting done by Tom and others that have uncovered the reason why the Spurs let Primo go, but the Spurs have not confirmed those reasons. There have, have so far been no public um, allegations or accusations against Josh Primo, although it sounds like that's going to be uh, discussed on Thursday in Houston at the Tony Busby uh, press conference. Um, so the, the, the column that Tom was just referencing is, is basically this, and this is, this is where we are. It's, it's, it's understandable now that the Spurs are taking the default position that we're just going to rely on the first statement we put out. We're not going to make any comments about what we knew and when. Uh, we're not going to answer anything about what specifics led to the decision to waive Josh Primo, which, by the way, was unprecedented in the history of the NBA. No, no player taken as early in the lottery as Josh Primo was has been just cut, just waived for nothing as quickly as Josh Primo was. It's never happened. So that was a decisive decision that actually was made before anyone knew about allegations against him. Um, and in that way, what the Spurs did seemed pretty decisive. Like they weren't going to have a Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, uh, you just, just name your player that has faced allegations. There have been dozens of them in professional sports over the past to, to the history of professional sports where a player's on a team that the team kind of hems and haws, doesn't know whether to get rid of them kind of half-heartedly defends them. Uh, and then it becomes a huge deal. The Spurs didn't do that. Josh Primo was gone before we knew of any allegations, but one thing that will come out, one thing that the attorney, Tony Busby, his client are going probably to bring up. Um, and that one thing that the Spurs eventually will have to, to answer is, when exactly uh, they knew that this was an issue with Josh Primo, if there were multiple inc incidents, and according to our reporting, there were multiple incidents, 
did they know about a first one before a subsequent one happened? Um, did they put any odd body in a position between those incidents? Uh, any, any employees, anyone in the organization in a position um, that they shouldn't have? I mean, these are all issues that we do not have the answers for in this podcast, that the Spurs have not given any answers for yet, but that's where we are. And um, I think that this is probably going to be something that unfolds over not just this week, but over a long time. And um, I'm not sure if Jeff or Nick want to weigh in on anything here, but I think that's kind of just where we are in the Josh. Yeah, it's, it's hard to really uh, talk about with no, without knowing the, the uh, or, or to weigh in on without knowing the answers to the questions that you mentioned. Um, but I mean, as you said, it's not surprising and you don't even blame the Spurs for not talking a lot right now because lawyers are involved and it's sort of one of those, uh, anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law sort of situations where you just don't want to say anything that makes it makes, uh, uh, I mean, just from an organizational standpoint, you don't want any, anybody going off and saying anything that, uh, just opens you up to even more legal exposure right now. But, but all this will, as you said, all this will, will, have to come out eventually if, if this gets in front of a, you know, gets into a court of law or any kind of a legal situation. I think um, it should be noted to be fair that if the Spurs have satisfactory answers for all those questions, if they acted, like I said, decisively, if they um, can show that they took the safety of employees, the well-being of employees seriously, um, which may be true, then they're going to come out of this looking again, like one, like they have many times over the years as a, as a model professional sports franchise. I mean, right. again, you can, you can go to the list of teams that, and even the Spurs themselves, by the way, <laughs> dating back to, you know, that a long time ago that they had Rod Strickland accused of uh, an offense like this. He played for a year after that. Uh, David Wingate was under trial for rape um, while he was playing for the Spurs. I mean, this is like early '90s type of stuff. Look at other teams around the league now. You've got you've got Miles Bridges still collecting a a paycheck from Charlotte. You know, still on the roster. Right. I mean, he's not playing. He's not with the right. team, but they have not cut ties with him. A lot of teams will hide behind. Right. Um, you know, we'll just let the legal situation play out before we make a decision. Um, and the Spurs did not do that. Right. That's the one thing we do know. They did not wait for, for any kind of legal situation to unfold. So, uh, as you said earlier, in that situation, in that, from that perspective, so far from what we've seen with our eyes, um, they, they made a decisive decision. And, and we're not here to blindly praise them for handling this per- purpose, right. you know, or, or perfectly. I mean, we don't uh, know. Like if, if it turns out that they, that they took too long to deal with it or whatever, you know, they, they deserve all that scrutiny. If you want to, it almost seems crass, but if you look at it just from a basketball perspective, they still owe Josh Primo $8 million Yeah, this year and next. That's, that's down the drain. And they wasted a lottery pick. You wasted the, the third best pick um, of the last 25 years. They took a pretty big gamble on Primo too. Like I can imagine they're, they have right. to be pretty disappointed. Like they, um, they could have taken a lot more, people there that made more uh, that, that uh, I don't that, that made more basketball sense. I mean, there were more highly touted prospects at that spot and they took a risk 
on a, on a kid that was not as highly talented, thinking he was they could make him into a a star. So they were already they were already kind of under the microscope for that. The youngest kid in that draft, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were really kind of under the microscope for that even, and now they're not going to get a chance to say "I told you so" because of of what's happened. You know, the huge question going back to the statement um, by the Busby Law Firm. The huge question is. It's already been mentioned here, but when when did these allegations first come to light? And, you know, the fact that Dr. Coffin is one that will be discussing the allegations and has hired the Busby law firm suggests that he was being treated for some mental health issue by her. Did that? I'm not sure we should. uh, I'm not sure we should go there. I think we just need to be very careful about assumptions. No, as you as you reported, Tom, the 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 NBA mandated that every team have mm-hmm. mental pro- health professionals on staff. Yeah, and we don't know if it was in 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 a treatment setting that something occurred with her. I, I'm, she could have yeah. she could have met with everybody. Yes. It's not. We're not going to. I don't think we need to to jump to the idea that he was under treatment for something from her. That may have been true, but we do. That, this just reiterates we don't know yeah, a lot we'll, of things. We'll, we'll, find, sure we'll, out, find, we'll find out Thursday, yeah. Or at least her side. I'm trying to be careful here the same way that the Spurs are trying to be careful here the same way that I'm sure Josh Primo's representation is the same way that, um, you know, Tony Busby and, mm-hmm. and his client are, are probably – Choosing words very carefully, just because it's 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 what you have to do. Um, again, like there's there's no easy segue to basketball here, but um, the Spurs in the middle of this, and already <laughs> they were they were a team that nobody expected to win, and and we're we're not even a tenth of the way through the season yet. You know, things can change in a hurry, but Primo's gone on on. Uh, Sunday night against the Timberwolves, the third game against the Timberwolves they played in a week. Uh, they were down at one point to, I think, eight healthy, available bodies. And they went again. And they're five and two and off to the second best start in the history, in the 50-year history of this franchise. Uh, what, what, what do we make of the supposedly tanking local cagers and where they are Seven games into the season. They can't even tank right. That's what we make of it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was saying if uh, the Spurs make the playoffs, Pop should be coach of the year. I'm like, no, he should be fired. Like, he's not, <laughs> it's, he's not following, following instructions. The other thing we got to take note of is the uh, that's going to help their tanking is the injuries are starting to m- mile up as well. With uh, I think we learned last night, and Tom reported it out. More Tom reporting here. I'm just killing it, Tom. Uh, that Blake Wesley uh, is going to be out with a AC, MCL for six to eight months. Is that correct? I mean, it's, those are uh, six, to eight eight weeks. Yeah. six to eight weeks. I'm just used to say I just used to an ACL. So I just went straight to months when I was thinking. So, yeah, six to eight weeks. You're correct. And that's I mean, it's crazy. He was going to be the guy. I mean, he was going to be the guy that was going to get a lot of those primo minutes. And he did in that first game. Uh, primo was gone against Chicago and was doing the same in the second game. Primo was gone against the Timberwolves and then he uh, tore an MCL. So one, you're just kind of like bummed for, for Wesley. Like this is a rookie finally getting his chance to sink or swim and get some minutes after 
racking up the DNPs to start this start the season, and then he's um, out for two months. Um, and also, I don't know who's going to handle the ball for the second unit because uh, that was Primo, and then it was Wesley, and now it's I don't know who. So that's something to watch going forward. A week and a day ago, uh, the first game in Minnesota, when when the local cagers just went out and and creamed the uh, the supposedly contending Timberwolves, there were there were moments in that game where you know Minnesota would make a a bit of a, a push, and it became evident like like this is when Josh Primo was still on the floor, <laughs> uh, when Josh Primo was still available. It was like the Spurs really don't have a backup point guard, and that could catch up with them. Um, this was when they were full strength. And then the next thing, you know, since then, um, they have lost Josh Primo. They have lost the guy who is supposed to take minutes for Josh Primo. Like there is, there is really not a – Trey Jones is the only point guard on this roster that really plays any kind of point guard at all. And it's kind of like – it's silly to talk about this on a team that wasn't going to contend anyway. It seems like kind of a – a uh, problem that doesn't matter in the long run, but there's going to be stretches where they just don't have anybody to handle the ball. It's like you're you're down to Josh Richardson types, right? Like who yeah. who, who runs the offense when Trey Jones is on the bench? And Trey Jones, by the way, first year starter, really hasn't played starter type minutes in his career. So that's the like the the tanking is going to work itself out. It's a fun story <laughs> right now that the Spurs are winning, but like. Yeah. There, yeah. there, are, there are holes on this team that are going to become more and more glaring. I mean, Trey Jones is just going to have to play 48 a night. Yeah. Problem solved. At least he's been playing very well for the task that he's been thrown into. Um, you know, there were a lot of questions about whether or not he would hold up and he would he was actually, you know, good enough to be a full-time starter in the NBA. And he's he looks surprisingly strong. He's actually shooting the ball better than he has been in the past. So, you know, that's... I think a big reason why they're off to this start is Trey Jones's ability to be a starter. He's a he's a usable starter on a team that doesn't care if it makes the playoffs or doesn't right. want to make the playoffs, yeah. and he's fine for that. Yeah. And what are they averaging now, assist wise? Is it up to thirty one? It's thirty one because they only had twenty seven in their last game. It dropped. Yeah. yeah. Leading, the league, leading the league. They've had two thirty seven assist games. Like it's it's. It's been pretty impressive to watch. I mean, just knowing that, you know, with the caveat that it's early and, you know, this is going to work itself out over time. It's been it's been impressive to watch what they've done. Well, especially Keldon Johnson. I mean, just uh, outstanding every night. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's just such a huge part of what's happening right now. It's just him taking uh, the leadership role on the court and off the court. It's been very impressive. That's, that fits right into where I was going, Tom, in that you have a lot of guys who are kind of um, fitting into their best-case scenario so quickly, which is impressive. Um, like, Keldon John- if Keldon Johnson is your best player, you're probably not a championship contender, right? I think that's not a controversial that's statement fair, yes. to make. But, like, he's really good at what he's doing. And uh, this goes back to what Greg Popovich said during training camp about Jeff or Tom can probably uh, fill me in on, on the specifics of this, but it was something along the lines of you still need a superstar type player to win in this league. And we don't have one. 
but we have a lot of guys who can play on championship teams at some point. Is that kind of the gist that, of what you said? Yeah, that's a that, good summation. And and um, so what you have in Keldon Johnson, what you saw in Devin Vassell before he got hurt, I believe he, he'll probably be back sooner rather than later. What you're seeing from Trey Jones is all these guys who can play roles on that championship contending team that the Spurs hope will be here someday. Um, probably not the roles they're playing now. They all they the the ideal scenario is everybody kind of takes a step down the hierarchy to make room for the superstar guy where Keldon, instead of being option number one becomes option two or three, where Devin Vassell instead of being option two or three becomes option three or four, where Trey Jones, instead of starting point guard becomes a guy who you don't mind at all getting 20 minutes a game off the bench uh, to fill in. Like that's where this season um, aside from the whole Wimbanyama talk, aside from the whole tanking talk, this season can be a successful one if you just feel good about the guys that you have that are going to be around and roles they can fill in the future and and might even be more. If Kelvin's your second or third guy, you feel okay now. And maybe you didn't know that a month ago about Kelvin, but it's starting to feel that way. So there there are some positives in this whole thing, in addition to the obvious 5-2 and two winning record. The the other thing I'll say about Keldon Johnson is um, he seems to be doing a lot of those um, locker room leadership type things that have become actually pretty important given the circumstances of the past the past week. I mean, um, and it's good when your best player is that way. You know, I mean, you can always lean on your Gorgie Jings and your Josh Richardsons to be your veteran voices, but when your best player is also doing those kind of leadership things. Like he was telling, you know, he he went around the locker room uh, before the last game with, you know, when the Spurs were going in there super shorthanded and just went locker to locker and made sure everybody was was locked in and knew their knew their stuff and and was um, and just encouraging them. Um, he's doing a lot of that sort of stuff, and it's easy to see him as sort of um, I don't want to say a clown, but you know, he's a he's a he's a bubbly, gregarious guy that's screaming all the time and keeping things light, but he's also becoming one of the leaders, the young leaders of this team. And I think that's another thing that uh, Pop wanted to see from some of those guys. Like he knew he could get that from the, from the vets, but the vets aren't going to be here next year or two years from now or whatever. He wants to see that from your, what, what they call the young vets, you know, your, your Keldon Johnson's and your Devin Vassell's. And I'm, you know, and there was a void there. That was sort of DeJounte Murray's role last year to be that yeah. kind of like yeah. uh, ringleader. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's he's got the same personality as 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 Keldon does. I mean, I I think um, it's fair to say say Dejounte. He he does not have well. Nobody has the same personality that Keldon does. I mean, uh, I think it's fair to say Dejounte could be prickly. I don't think Keldon is that way, or at least I haven't seen it or heard it. That 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 kid is always on, (laughs) always on. Keldon, yeah. The Keldon is the guy who everybody loves. But when people are upset with him, it's with him. It's not because he's prickly. It's because if they're, when will this guy ever just be quiet for two minutes? And it's always said with like a laugh. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of like 
there, there's there's not it's it's hard to in, in, envision acrimony between Kelvin Johnson and yeah. somebody. It's more just like throw your hands up in the air and says yes, you know, yes, Kelvin, we get it. Were you there before the last game, or we're sitting in the like the media room and you just hear this this random screaming from yes. down the hall? And like Correct. the Spurs locker yes. room is not particularly close to where we're sitting at that point. It's down the hall. And it's like, oh, there goes Keldon again. I guess he's going out to warm up or something. It was that. Well, they, they, were, uh, they were on their way. When that was, was 10 minutes, 15 minutes before the game where they're, they're going down the hall, which, is, again, is not adjacent to the media room. It's, it's way down the hall, but they were going down to, to make their entrance. And that's, that's when he was doing this screaming thing that just echoed, reverberated throughout the building. I mean, anytime the the doors open to the practice gym for, you know, media after shoot around or a practice, mm-hmm. like the first thing you'll hear is just Keldon screaming from somewhere in the gym, somewhere. And, yeah. with, and just, uh, it's, yeah, I, he's, they seem to like it, <laughs> but I'm an yeah. old man. It's like, I'm just trying to interview Doug McDermott over here, man. Can we, can we turn down the volume to about an eight at least? This seems like ancient history considering what um, has happened in the interim. Um, but it's also like a, a bit of good timing that I had where I was considering I, on the Minnesota trip, um, I was working on something on, on our, our pal Gorgie Jing and uh, had considered holding it for the Sunday paper. I'm glad I didn't do that because it, uh, it would have got overshadowed by the Primo news. But it, just uh, applying to what you're talking about and the, the camaraderie on this team, um, just the way that group gets along already. And they brought Gorgie back to, to fill that leadership role that you're talking about. They needed just an adult in the room. Like it's great to have Kelton screaming all the time, but just somebody to kind of temper it. And I was struck by Gorgie goes on, on a night off to this fundraiser for his foundation. That's building a hospital in his native Senegal. And it's the last night off on this week long trip where they've been in three States and have played four games. And you have, uh, Doug McDermott coming along. You have Keldon Johnson coming along. You have Jeremy Sohan and Isaiah Roby who've just been around for a few weeks coming along. It's, it's like there's this team that is supposedly tanking and is probably going to end up being in that position. Just generally likes being around each other. And, uh, I, I think, you know, there's there's some not great stuff going on around the Spurs these days, but it's there, there there's some good stories there too in uh, in how this team is coming together. And um, you know, I I I think that that could bode well uh, for a time if they can keep some of these guys in place um, to 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 how this team might be able to fare once it gets more more talent, more uh, more prime to 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 make a playoff run. I mean, that's you know. Pop and the Spurs is that forever, like a, a team that likes each other off the court, um, you know, comes together more on the court, plays for each other, yada, yada. And a lot of times it sounds like, uh, like, like trite or something, but I think they're yeah. to that. I, I really think there is. I mean, I think it's, some, maybe it's not important that everybody be best friends, but I think a team that cares about each other off the court tends to play for each other on the court. And you can look around the league at some of these teams that seem like, um, they're not having any fun and they don't like each right. other and they don't have the success that you think that they probably should. Well, let me, let me, we're going to wind down, but 
and then this, this might look stupid in a week, but I, I will pose a question to the group. Um, if this continues, and again, I, I don't necessarily expect it to, but if you, if you stay above 500 into December, into January, like at what point do you say, um, yes, this is worth it. Uh, let's forget about, for example, Jakob Hurdle, who's going to be a free agent next summer. And it almost seems asinine not to put him on the trade market and get something for him um, before he becomes a free agent. You know, Doug McDermott, Josh Richardson down the line. What At what point, I guess, do you start to believe that it's okay to emphasize competing this season me personally i don't think there's ever this team is ever going to reach that point i mean i, I mean if i were in charge of the team i, I don't think i would ever like what like they're still not going to win a championship they're still not going to be like a fourth seed like you're talking about fighting for the plan probably i just don't think it's worth it this year to fight for the plan i would agree I mean, th- this five and two pace is not going to continue forever. I mean, I don't really think they're going to be 500 by this time next week. So, I, again, this this is yeah. a very, very <laughs> hypothetical system. last week. Yeah, we, sw- we switched, I right. guess. Well, everybody's hurting now. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we were both on the same page that they're not going to be over 500 forever. I just, yeah. Right. I, I think they'll play well and lose some games, maybe. Play hard and lose some games. Yeah, the next two weeks are pretty challenging schedule-wise. With Toronto, LA, Clippers, Denver, Denver, Memphis, Milwaukee, and Golden State next. I mean, I thought they might be challenging with Minnesota for three games, but Minnesota didn't look very good. And the Sixers didn't look very good. I mean, it, so. it's funny. If, if you're the Spurs, you're like, when do we get those two games in a row against the Lakers so we can feast oh, yeah. on some cupcakes? They picked the right team to play three games with this early in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Out of sync and just being, a- yeah. I'm not a huge Minnesota fan, but you look around the league and so many teams are out of sync and don't yeah. seem to be having yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, it's odd. I, I don't want to pick on anybody, but, and I don't even remember who wrote this, but we didn't, we have a, a headline on our site. It might've been on a notebook. Um, it was the day of the second game of the season. Uh, they were, the Spurs were going to face the Indianapolis Pacers, I believe, uh, after having been blown out at home. And it was something along the lines of if the Spurs don't win this game, they might not get their first week win of the season until <laughs> until like mid November. Didn't didn't wasn't that part of the speculation because the schedule looked so well, I mean it, I don't again I don't want to out anybody, but I remember in the preseason sitting around the sitting around talking with people employed by the Spurs, going like uh-huh. playing the game of when are they gonna get their third win? And that was assuming they right. uh, like we were giving them Charlotte at that point. When do they get their third right. win? We're like, uh, I think like I think by like late November they get OKC finally, and now they're uh-huh. up to five. Yeah. We also had a conversation on this podcast about like the the the, the other tanking teams that the Spurs might be they're, better than. And we picked all the wrong. We picked all the wrong ones, but we picked all the wrong ones. We mentioned like um, uh. Utah and Oklahoma City being terrible, and they're both really good. <laughs> they, they they've both been playing well. The, the, the uh, Nets are going to end up. With Utah, the top. I think, has the same five and two record. The Nets are going to end up Shea, with the top Gildress, draft pick. Alexander is the player of the week. Yeah, you're going like, to add. You're going to struggling. You're going to have Wimby. You're going to add Wimby to to Kevin Durant and who is well, the, who is the Lakers? Probably not Kyrie Irving. He might not be there for very much longer. 
The Lakers don't have their own pick. If the yeah, Lakers finish with the win the lottery that goes to New Orleans. Mm. New Orleans How about when we join the Pelicans? Anyway, that would be something. I guess this is as, as good of a place as to any to wind down. You know, you, who 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 knows what's coming next? Not not many of our predictions so far on this podcast have come to fruition. Uh, things don't go as you expect. Sometimes they're better than you expect. Sometimes they're worse. But you go forward, and we'll go forward, and we'll wait for you next time. Until then, take care of each other. Keep it real. <laughs>